0: Call Kevin Brooker today, 800-975-6717. Do it today. This
1: is Kevin Brooker. Welcome to Cruising Crew Retirement. You know a recent Quinnipiac University, and that that is a tough word to say, folks, they did a poll recently that highlighted some of the biggest personal financial concerns uh, that folks have been experiencing. And today we are going to dive into those particulars. We're going to share some strategies that help spare you that stress.
2: Welcome in, everybody.
0: This is Cruising Through Retirement. Kevin Brooker is here, as he is each and every week. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Kevin is a fiduciary and investment advisor representative. He is uh, independent. Uh, He's, uh, well, he's been doing this for a good long while, better than 30 years. Uh, He is an author. He wrote the book called The Millionaire's Guide to Tax-Free Money for Long-Term Care. And you can get your copy at silverleaffinancial.com. No charge, just like that. Hey, Kevin, how's it going?
1: It's going great. That is, it is going great. Thank you very much, Steve. And that is, but there's no charge and no commitment guys. You just have to go to the website. You just put in your name and and your uh, email and phone. That's it. I'm not going to ask you a million questions, you know, about your history and where you're born and all that stuff. (laughs) All right, just some basic good to know, right? (laughs) you know, some of these these places you go on their website and and they say, Oh, just a short, short couple of questions, then you get into it, and there's more and more and more and more and more. Yeah, it drives me me crazy. And why did you know where I needed where I grew up as a kid? It's (laughs) a yeah, right? Why do you need to know the name of my best friend? What's going on here, (laughs) you you know? And uh, it's like, wait a minute, it's like they're trying to crack your password, you know? Oh, yeah, and and, uh, so nonetheless, guys, it's real simple, just go to silverleaffinancial.com, that's a leaf like a tree. Uh, it's on the home page on the on the front page when you log in and you'll see a copy of the book and if anybody out there is thinking about long-term care if you think you might need it if there's even a chance you might need it you really owe it to yourself to get the book it's free i can send it to you electronically or in the mail the uh, full paperback if you like uh, but guys we've got some ideas in there that i can show you how to take your existing assets and we can reposition them for you you don't lose control of it you don't give it up but if you need it for long-term care you or your spouse need it for long-term care We can show you how to do it on a tax-free basis so you can use pre-tax money right to pay for the care if you need it but the nice thing is that if you don't need it it's still your money you control the asset you don't give it up you don't lose it to anybody and it's not one of those you know use it or lose it things so uh, take a few minutes check it out it is something that's going to affect a lot of people unfortunately Um, and specifically if there is any case of alzheimer's or dementia in your family you really really need to take a look at this book because those are some of the leading causes, uh, behind what, what, uh, you know, Leads to people having to reside in a facility. Sure.
0: Well. Um, all right. So again, that's SilverleafFinancial.com folks. That's the uh, that's the web where that's the website where you can find out. Um, so you were talking about the Quinnipiac University st- survey, and I mean, yes. you know, they are. That is a difficult thing to say. There's no question about it. But they do really good
1: surveys. <laughs> and this, you know, what? That's what I'm thinking to myself. Is guys, why didn't you say like University of Iowa? or yes. something? Right? It's like. That's, that's not a problem
0: yeah but again the the numbers from this thing especially when you start talking about um you know retirement and those who are affected under 65 year olds uh saving for retirement 25 percent saying it was their biggest worry and those over 65 26 percent said they were anxious about saving enough for retirement now they sound similar but they are they are different aren't they those two things
1: they yeah they, they really are and you know the one that the one that shocked me actually is the people over 65. Uh, that's over a quarter of the population over 65 that are anxious, you know, about about uh, the money that they have saved or about how much more they can save. Right. And that's very concerning because if they're already retired uh, and, and it is if because I'm not certain if they're already retired, if they're still working. Yeah. Um, but hopefully they're still working, because if you're anxious about the amount of money you've got put away, I'm hoping that they're still working and they're still building up that nest egg. And that they have not started to claim Social Security, uh, but you know, but but one of the statistics that surprises me also, um, and I just read it again last week, is that something between twenty five and thirty percent of the population are still claiming Social Security at the very first moment when they turn sixty two. And wow, what's now, the number? It's between twenty five and thirty percent. Wow, that are claiming immediately, immediately upon eligibility. And, and guys, and I, and guys, I do get, I get the psychology behind it. I understand people saying you've worked your entire life. You just want to take a break. You want to kick back. You want to do something different. Maybe you want to golf or fish. You just don't want to work anymore. And I fully, fully understand that I've had those feelings myself, (laughs) you know, but, you know, but I am, I am fortunate, you know, and a lot of people in my, that work in my occupation, you know, we, we, let's face it. We sit down most of the time, you know, we're not doing strenuous physical labor, right? You know, my dad, my dad, my dad used to say, you know, that uh, all I do is push a pen, push a pencil all day long, right? Push it. All you do is push a two ounce pencil all day long. <laughs> yeah, well, and I said, well, I said, yeah, it's not physically straining, but mentally it can be pretty, pretty tough. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you know, but, but the good part about the point I'm getting at is that this is a position, this is a job or an occupation that you can do, or at least I hope I can do, you know, in, in, well into my sixties, if not my seventies, because there's no physical labor, but, but the folks that have the physical labor positions, you know, the guys that are out there, you know, pouring concrete, things like that, um, I, I, you really, really want to have these things in place much sooner because the likelihood you can keep doing that well into your 60s, is it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. Um, you, you know, so so I think the key that we need to look at, though, is like we always talk about. We always, when we sit down with somebody, one of the first things we want to talk about is, you know, what are your expectations? What do you want to do? How do you want to live that life in retirement? Because that's going to help us figure out how much money you need, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you say, you know what? I love watching movies. All I all I need is a big screen TV and my and, and internet for streaming, then that's a lot simpler than if you say, I want to travel the world for two years with my wife, um, you know, because that is very expensive. <laughs> so. Yes, you know, and I say that because I used to say that myself. I said, I'd like to take a couple of years and just travel the world. <laughs> and, and that's a great thought. I mean, who? I, to me, I would think a lot of people would like to do that, right? Oh, but, yeah. But oh, my goodness, that costs a lot of money, a lot of money. And and so we need to sit back and and, and figure out, first of all, how you envision your retirement. What do you see yourself doing day to day? And that's something else. And, and I get a little bit off track here, but I just want to mention that a lot of people they, they think about the financial aspect of retirement in terms of planning for it, but a lot of them don't go through the emotional or the intellectual exercises of thinking about exactly how are you going to spend your day, right? Because you're used to getting up at, I don't know, six o'clock in the morning and you do your thing and you go to work and you get home at whatever time you get home. And that's how you spend your day. Mm-hmm. But now you don't have anywhere to go, right? So exactly what are you doing? Are you getting up? Are you going for a walk? Are you walking the dog? Are you playing golf? You, what are you doing? Are you taking classes? Are you traveling? And we need to figure these things out because it's going to help develop an idea for you about how comfortable you are with retirement. Are you going to be satisfied? Well, you know, emotionally and intellectually satisfied with your retirement. A lot of people, they identify very heavily with their job or their occupation. And so when they come to retirement, they kind of feel like they've lost something. And so it's important that you, that you do think about these things in terms of you know you don't if, if your identity is tied to your job and you stop or quit you retire from your job some people have a hard time adjusting to that oh sure and you know and so so what we recommend a lot of times what i recommend is you know if you're in a position that it's possible for you to take a test drive and what i mean is is, is it possible you could just maybe go to part-time work for six months or take an extended leave of absence and and try to live like you're retired just to see do you like it? Are you enjoying it? Or are you finding yourself, you know what, I'm sitting around twiddling my thumbs, I don't have enough to do. And and so let's go through those, those, let's have those conversations and figure out how you want to spend your time, what you want to do, because then I can do a much better job planning for it financially to make sure you've got what you need, and you don't have to worry about, are you gonna have enough money for that round of golf five years from now, um, you know, because inflation is too high.
0: Well, yeah. And I mean, right now, people are certainly worried. People are concerned. They're, you know, rubbing their hands because they don't know what's going to happen. Um, and, you know, the the survey, 1,800 adults across the political spectrum, 22 percent reported just what you just said, Kevin. Inflation, higher interest rates and other economic factors have led them to reevaluate when and if they will be able to retire. Is that what you're hearing, too?
1: it it is without a doubt and and it's the and whenever i hear that if word if they're able ever able to retire that's the one that's that that's you know the hair raises the hair on my back because because i'm like i don't even i i hate to even imagine that there's a possibility you can't retire ever you know and and so but there's no question inflation uh has a lot of people you know it's affected a lot of people's spending patterns uh and it's going i'm gonna say i think it's going to affect it's it's probably going to get worse before it gets better guys um, we, we are, uh, I, I think it's, I think almost every analyst on the street on wall street is forecasting a recession. The difference from one to the next is how bad it's going to be. And, and what that means is how many people are going to lose their job. That's what that means. All right. When we're talking about a soft recession or a hard landing, a hard landing means millions and millions of people are, are losing their jobs. A soft landing means, you know, maybe it's not that many, maybe it's half a million people or Who knows the exact number, but the point is to watch the unemployment rate. Right now, we're sitting at an unemployment rate that is is close to 50-year lows. And so that's what, in my opinion, is continuing to cause the inflation. Because we've got so many people working and wage growth, right, raises. People have been asking for raises and their bosses have been giving them raises. So people have more money to spend. So as long as they've still got a job, they're probably going to keep on spending their money and that's going to continue to create demand for the goods and services that causes inflation. Mm-hmm. So, so the part of the recipe for the government slowing things down is is that that they unfortunately, at some point, I think they have to cause job losses, and nobody wants that. Nobody wants to see somebody you know lose their job. Uh, but unfortunately, there's only so many things the government can do to help fight inflation, and and raising interest rates is one of them.
0: And again, so far, it I mean, it's been, it's worked in the past and uh, I mean, you know, anybody
1: can speculate anything like you just said, but you know, it, it seems to be working a little bit. Do you think it, it oh, I, I do. In fact, inflation has been coming down, I think every month for the last 12 months. Um, You know, so it has been coming down in a lot of areas, not all areas. Right. Uh, f- for instance, anybody that lives around Phoenix, right? You know, gas prices have not come down for us. In fact, I think we've got some of the highest gas prices in the country. We're nope. still paying five bucks a gallon. Oh, wow. All right. So, yeah, and this is a million stories about why this is. Um, but anybody in the Phoenix, Arizona area, you know, gas prices are still terrible. And that's even if you go to Sam's Club. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, which a lot of people do. Sure, they do. Um, you, you know, so and, and, and rent or, or housing costs, um, which are two big components that go into the calculation of inflation. Uh, you know, uh, housing and transportation, and then of course food. And those three are, you know, make up a large part of the inflation calculation. So as long as those areas remain high, uh, it's going to be tough to get down, to get down that inflation number. And so what I'm getting at guys is I am not personally of the opinion that there's going to be any rate cuts this year. I don't think there's going to be any rate cuts at all this year. Uh, and I think there's actually still going to be rate hikes this year. Okay. I think that they, they might skip it in June, I don't want, I don't like to say pause. I'd rather say skip because skip implies that they're not done hiking. Whereas pause, pause, doesn't that kind of make you think, well, maybe they're done. Well, they're done. Um, Right. And, and so I think, I think everybody, I want to caution everybody to be very, very careful in thinking they're done. Okay. Um, for instance, Jamie diamond, some of you might know is the, you know, the rich boss at JP Morgan chase, um, and he came out he came out many months ago and he said that he saw what did he call it a a hurricane or a typhoon, some some horrible weather disaster situation was coming up on the economy and he was calling for a recession. And now he said just this week that he foresees interest rates going higher than people expect. He said we could see six percent, maybe even seven percent on the Fed funds rate, which right now is around five and a quarter. Okay. Gee. So even 7%. That would be another point and a half of interest rate hikes. Okay. That would send your 30-year mortgage close to 9%. Whoa. So, so I think, and, and now bear in mind, he, he might not know what he's talking about, right? I mean, yes, he happens to be the boss at the one of the world's, if not the world's biggest bank. So I kind of think he should have a really good idea. What's going on? You would think. All right. Don't you think? Because considering the business and the length and the stretch, look at the, if you think of the tentacles, if you will, of where JP Morgan Chase does business, right? Everywhere. I was going to say around the globe. Around the globe. And you got the guy that's running the one of these biggest organizations that has reached around the globe saying he doesn't see this ending anytime soon. And he thinks rates can keep going up higher. So I'm going to adopt his point of view because I think he's got a lot of expertise Um, and if that's not the case, then, then it's okay. We can adapt, but make sure you're positioned for that scenario, that if it does happen, if we do go into recession, if people start losing their jobs and interest rates keep going higher, how is that going to affect your portfolio? How is it going to affect your plans? And do you need to sit down with your advisor and have a conversation with them to make sure you're still on track?
0: Well, Kevin, somebody else that uh, has made, not a proclamation, but certainly shared his views, and that's Danny Moses. He's an investor, gained national acclaim uh, following the release of The Big Short, if you remember that movie. Yes, And Danny Moses, the the person, him, was actually portrayed in the movie. Um, But he was on Fast Money, CNBC, talking about the Federal Reserve, just what we were talking about, and why he believes the stakes are higher than ever. I mean, they're just, you know, they're certainly going to pause at some point, but why would they pause? Is it because inflation's coming down or things just are stuck in the mud? I think it's probably a combination of both. I think we've seen peak inflation, but I don't know what they can do. They're unwinding an eight to $9 trillion balance sheet here. So I tell people this is a little bit of the seventies, eighties, nineties to two thousands. It's all kind of mixed in, but there is no precedent for what we are seeing right now. And look what has already happened with the fed having done very little i mean already in the, the builders have, have gotten hit you see what's going on in in, in that sector so the consumer is starting to feel it and with savings rates where they are right now where they've dropped there's not a lot of margin for error here on the consumer side well um you know he kind of shares jamie diamond's view he,
1: he he does you know what and this is you know another person that has access to a lot of information does this you know on a daily basis and, and so I think we need to pay attention to these guys, to these yeah. people and, and, you know, listen to them and give it consideration. Uh, don't just blow it off. In other words, because it might happen. It might be true. And, and there are a lot of arguments. There's a lot of people. And one thing that we've talked about before, Steve, is that a lot of the strategists and the analysts um, including Mike Wilson, who I've mentioned before yes. is one of the top research guys at Morgan Stanley. Uh, he's been negative on the market for several months. And they've been calling for us to go into a bear market. They've been calling for the markets to go down this year, right? And we're, what, halfway or almost to June now. And the markets are having a good year. Tech stocks have had a heck of a year. Um, And virtually, I I know very, very few analysts or strategists that forecast this. They didn't predict this. They were completely wrong again. (laughs) Right. No, you bring up a good point. Again. (laughs) All right. All right. So so, let's all make sure we we take their advice and their thoughts with a grain of salt, um, and and just because because oftentimes they're wrong, and these are people that are paid a lot of money. Okay, Mike Wilson is probably paid millions of dollars a year. Would be my bet. Um, this isn't you know chump change. These people are highly highly paid. You should be able to rely on them. Yeah. Um, you know, but so far they've been wrong. And so a lot of times he gets called out saying, hey, are you changing your opinion yet? Are you changing your mind yet? And so far, as as far as I know, there's been no change in that stance. Um, and they are continuing to say the S&P could drop 20% from where it is. Uh, so be prepared in case it does happen. But at the same time, you want to be invested because as we see, they don't always know what they're talking about, right?
0: <laughs> That's exactly right. Well- and- and- Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, he said one word in there, and, and I, I, I hear it a lot, and I certainly heard it a lot lately, and that is unprecedented. Is it really?
1: It. <laughs> the unprecedented, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, that's a word that gets bandied about, and it sounds ominous, but I mean, is it really unprecedented? It.
1: I'm actually going to agree that it is. Okay, Um, well, good. I mean, that's
0: the thing. I I think we have to get that clarity of, you know, what is and what isn't and what has happened before and what isn't, you know?
1: No, you know what? And I think that's a really good point. And I I also think that, you know, considering we seem to be in an era where, you know, it's hard to tell what's real and what's fake and all this stuff. uh, And which is why I say when you guys hear something from me or anybody else, please double check it, triple check it, fact check it. Go to different websites different sources don't always go to the same source please look at different sources with different opinions and and it'll help you to understand the situation in my opinion it'll help you give a better get to gain a better understanding of the situation when you hear different arguments if you're listening to the same argument all the time you become biased and and that's going to influence your decision maybe for the better but maybe for the worse and so i like to listen to different sources check out different sources but going back to the question uh, is it unprecedented? I think the answer is yes. Okay, it is unprecedented, and I hate to say this time is different, um, but I think the facts are that it is because going back to COVID and the pandemic, that's the first pandemic we've had in, in what since the Spanish flu. hundred years, 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 yeah, <laughs> right. So it's so it is the first time in a hundred years we've had a situation like that. I don't I don't remember ever having basically society shut down like it did, and people you know nobody going out and everybody uh, staying, staying in and canceling all their trips and all their vacations, all the speaking engagements, all that stuff. So that was unprecedented. Uh, and then the government moves the government, the government actions that they took where they were dropping interest rates all the way to zero. That's just try to stimulate the economy and keep it moving forward using the printing press to print all that wonderful COVID relief money that they sent out to everybody. Um, and, and so that's what kept it kind of, it was kind of like the grease that kept the gears turning. Um, But what that was called was quantitative easing. That's when the government was lowering interest rates, making it easier, right, for for adding liquidity, making it easier to get credit, easier for people to get money, and literally sending people money. All right. That was called the quantitative easing, which the government did to the tune of trillions of dollars. Um, So now we're on the flip side of that. And this is actually one thing that Jamie Dimon referenced, actually, when he was saying he thought interest rates could go to 6 or 7%. The reason he was saying that is because now we're in a period of time called quantitative tightening and something diamond said is that prior to this happening, we had never seen QE, right? Yeah. Quantitative easing. And, and we had never seen QT quantitative tightening. And we still haven't seen it because they just basically started doing it recently. And what that means is all those bonds that they were, that they were, that they were selling, uh, and, and then they're, well, they're selling them with one hand and buying them with the other. Um, but, (laughs) but, Right. But now what they're doing is they're just going to be letting them. Okay. They're going to, they say they're going to let them run off. And what that means is they're letting them mature. So, but they're not going to reissue. Right. So in other words, let's say it matures in June, they're just going to let it mature. They're not going to do it again. They're not going to keep that going. And so what that means, what it causes, uh, is, is, uh, selling pressure on bonds, And if there's more selling pressure on bonds that should cause the price to go down which causes the yield to go up right that's part of the argument that's part of the argument diamonds making that if the government is continuing to dump trillions of dollars of bonds that could be one of the catalysts that causes interest rates to go even higher and so that's also why some people are saying that the fed doesn't have to keep raising interest rates because a lot of the things they've already set in motion are going in other words are going to lead to the quantitative tightening so this whole circle of logic, if you will, all right, they may be able to stop raising rates because the market might raise rates for them as they're selling the massive bond portfolio that the government's accumulated. Right. So I hope I hope that all makes sense to people. I know it's uh, uh, it's a lot to wrap your head around, um, but it all goes back to yes, it really is unprecedented, and and all of these things are contributing to the uncertainty and to the bearish views that we have from so many people. Like I mentioned, Morgan Stanley, uh, it's a combination of all these things. The economy slowing down, interest rates coming down, the government raising rates faster and more dramatically than they have in history. 550 basis points in the last year and a half is also unprecedented yes. on that word. Yep. Right. Yep. And, and so now quantitative easing or i sorry, quantitative tightening. tightening. yeah, Unprecedented. All right record low unemployment rate, unprecedented. All right. So, so there are, yes, it is a very unique time in history. Personally, I'm just hoping we can put it all behind us real soon because I'm pretty tired of it. Oh yeah, me too. I'm with you. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to maybe a year from now that we, that a lot of this will be behind us. All right. But in the meantime, in the meantime, let's talk about Wall Street strategists and analysts in terms of whether you should listen to them. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I start, right? I said earlier, I said, how many analysts and strategists told you to be bullish at the beginning of the year? How many of them told you you should be buying tech stocks at the beginning of the year? And the answer is almost none. Okay. Mm-hmm. They were all, majority were saying markets are going down. They were saying interest rates are rising and everybody knows supposedly if interest rates rise, that's bad for tech stocks. All right. But it did not play out that way so far. And then you look at a company called Nvidia, right? And those of us that have been following artificial intelligence and AI, um, I was fortunate enough to 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 buy this stock for some of you know for some of my clients last summer when it was around 165 or so mid 160s um, only to see it then drop god 20 30% I think it went down to 115 or 120 okay and I'm trying to give you guys the idea of the background so a lot of times you buy a stock and immediately falls right in your face and you say what the heck what did I miss and and you're losing money immediately that doesn't feel good right? No. But as I kept, as I kept looking into it, researching, it became apparent to me that they are leading uh, the arms race, if you will, for AI, artificial intelligence. NVIDIA makes the chips and the products that a lot of these other companies need if they're going to get into AI, into artificial intelligence. And so NVIDIA stock is up, was up earlier this week over a hundred percent. It was up over a hundred percent for the year. Okay. And that put it at 300 bucks. And then most and and as right before the earnings came out for the quarter and most analysts, most strategists, not only were they saying to sell it, they were saying, they were definitely saying don't buy it because it's overvalued because it's trading at like 50 times earnings saying don't buy it and and maybe even go short. And I'm thinking, okay, that's suicide. (laughs) Okay. You want to be very, very careful shorting a stock that has strong momentum because that's when they say you can get your face ripped off. That means you can lose, you can lose a lot of money really fast. All right. And so they announced their earnings that were that exceeded even the most optimistic analyst estimates. They blew out the numbers. The stock jumps another 25 or 30% after the numbers, right? So that put it up around 385 or so, all right? And bearing in mind all the strategists and all the analysts were saying don't buy it, it's too overvalued, all right? And guys, so so the moral of the story that I'm trying to get at is that I think we should all listen to the analysts listen to what they have to say, incorporate that into your internal conversation when you're evaluating something. But at the same time, don't take it like, you know, uh, don't take it like it's written in stone, Okay. Just remember, it's their opinion. They're really just guessing, right? They'll call it an estimate. It's a guesstimate. Okay. Yep. They're just guessing. They don't know. And sometimes they're on the complete wrong side of where you should be. All right. So, so, um, so NVIDIA is a stock I think has tons of potential going forward. Uh I'm not recommending to buy it at these elevated levels. I would give it some give it give it some time to digest. If you think you might be interested, watch it, watch it for a few days, at least three, four days, maybe a week. Um, let it settle down and then decide if that's the right type of company for you because it's very, very volatile. Sure. And you is. could easily you could easily lose half your money before you make anything, if you ever make anything right? Yeah. That's the thing with stocks. A lot of times people forget in the stock market, they see a nine, 10% return, and they don't realize that that can drop 20% in the blink of an eye at any point in time. Sure. Okay. So, so let's remember the range of motion, the range of the ranges that these things trade in as you're, as you're investing.
0: Well, I was just looking at uh, the NVIDIA now as we record this and it's at 380 uh, and that is uh, up 123% for the past year. So that, I mean, again, that's amazing.
1: It, it's incredible. And, and, and for the record and full disclosure, I took profits. I sold it, um, this week I sold it three eighty four. Um, yeah, wow. Ho- hoping, hoping that was a good exit. <laughs> you know, I, th- but, I think you nailed it, you know, but considering I bought it in the mid one sixties, I'm very happy. I'm very happy with that. Right. Well, and your and, client's going to be very happy with that. And that, and that is, yes. And, and that's the name of the game. All right. And I'll tell you what, honestly though, I'm hoping I can buy it back cheaper. Um, that's what I'm hoping. But whenever I personally see a gap, you know, cause it closed around 300 and then the next day it opens up and it sees almost, almost 400. Um, yeah. it was a big gap. I think it opened at like 370 or 375, something like that. So the gap I'm referring to is the closing price around 300 and the opening trade at 375. A lot of technical analysts say that's a gap that needs to be filled. And what that means is they think the stock's going to come back down and test those levels. So what I'm planning on doing is letting it trade for a while I'm hoping we see some weakness. If I could get at this point, if I could get back into it around 300, I'd be thrilled. Um, But it's, it's impossible to know where it's going to go from
0: here. 800-975-6717. There's a number you can call to reach Kevin or visit the website, silverleaffinancial.com. You can uh, connect with Kevin right there on the homepage and, uh, you know, continue the conversation. The, uh, so we're, you know, we're talking about this survey from uh, the Quinnipiac university. Um, you know, there are a couple of startling things here. Uh, respondents between 50 and 64, 32% said they've already delayed their retirement.
1: Oh, yeah. And that that's probably that's low? Just, I think it's probably low. It's yeah. probably a low number. Um, you know, and, and the... It makes sense. Well, first of all, we don't know what age they were planning on retiring at, right? right? A lot of time, a lot of times we were younger, you know, I mean, heck, I remember, I remember when I went out, I, I thought, I said, I'll be retired by the time I'm 40, right? Because, because I was just making so much money in the stock market back in the 90s. <laughs> yes. And well, that age came and went, and, and here we are. All right. So, so we don't know exactly what their, what their age was, how realistic it was. Um, but one of the things that I see over and over in these reports, Steve, or these surveys, is, is they keep talking so many times about anxiety and, and worry and unease and stress about, you know, are their retirement savings on track? Do they have enough money put away? Are they going to be able to keep up with inflation? What happens if, what happens if you're a sandwich, you know, in the sandwich era? And what that means is let's say you're 55 years old and you were the firstborn, meaning your parents are only 78. And as opposed to lastborn like me, my dad was 40 years older. you know so but if you're that sandwich if you're one of the oldest born in your family chances are your parents are going to they're still alive when you're in your 50s and 60s right yes a lot of times parents need help too maybe maybe they need help financially maybe they need a caregiver and any number of things that could either cost you money or time and effort or both um and at the same time you can have kids right sticking their hands out right reaching their hand out saying mom and dad can you help and so we call that the sam we say those people are sandwich because they've got both ends of the spectrum, both sides, their parents and the kids are both putting pressure, financial pressure, emotional pressure, and ask asking for assistance. And that sandwich is getting squeezed. Okay. And so what I want to remind everybody and point out to everybody is make sure you're taking care of yourself too. I like to say, take care of yourself first. I like to remind everybody when you get on an airplane and you're sitting down and they're going through the, the safety precautions, things like that. And they say, if something happens, the airplane loses oxygen then you're going to see these oxygen masks drop down from the ceiling above you. And the first thing you want to do is put the mask on yourself, then help your children, right? Put it on your own face first so that you can breathe, so that you can survive to help those around you. Sure. Okay. And I believe it's the same principle with finances. I think you need to take care of yourself first. And once you're in a strong position, then you'll be able to help other people without without hurting your own position. Okay. Okay. So make sure you're taking care of yourself as well.
0: That's very wise and uh, good advice to uh, end the show on, Kevin. Uh, thanks as always. It's a pleasure to, to have these conversations. I love the way they go.
1: I, I, I do as well, Steve. And I, guys, I hope, I hope you enjoyed it. If you're feeling any anxiety or nervousness about your future retirement, please reach out. I think if we sit down and talk a little bit and we go through some steps, it's going to make you feel much more comfortable that we can tackle this and you can get there successfully.
0: Do it today